0: love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud queen love loves hi everyone welcome back to aziza love loves and today my guest is harriet tinka she is a transformational speaker life coach blogger chartered professional accountant, football official, and an ultra marathon runner. So welcome, Harriet. Oh, thank you for having me. And I want to say hi to the Aziz Love Nation. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. And so I know that you co-authored a book called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And I was privileged enough to be able to read the book, and I think that it is a gem, not only because of the pearls of wisdom that you provide, but because of the story behind it. And for you to go through what you did and to be a part of a book that is called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life speaks to the ability for all of us to triumph over tragedy. So I would love if you could start us off with telling us about yourself and what happened when you were a university student.
1: Oh, you bet. I'm happy to share my story with, the, with your audience. Now, even today, it's still surreal for me to even realize that I am a domestic violence survivor. Here I was, I was an international model, walking the runways, full of confidence, yet a victim of a stalker. Now, my story began when I just shortly decided to give up my modeling career and just focus on my formal education. So I decided to go to university, and it was at the university that I met, or rather befriended a fellow student. He was charming, he was very fond of me, and little did I know that his attraction to me would later, was actually a psychological trap. Disguised as love, they would later on become deadly. And I was just a typical mm. victim of domestic violence. I was young, I was naive, and I had no clue the signs of, or signs of patterns of an abusive relationship. Yet I was vulnerable enough to, to trust him. But as I got to know him, he became very abusive to me. Sometimes he would yell at me, he would scream, but he would apologize. So I thought, everything was good. Mm -hmm. So I was confusing this abusive relationship to love because he would apologize. And he got to a point where it was so intense, he was stalking me, that the police recommended that I get a restraining order. That meant he could never come any close to me. So when that happened, I was quite comfortable and I was happy. I figured life goes on. But one afternoon, actually one evening, I was coming from the university going to my apartment building because it was late at night and I was I got into the elevator you know busy looking at my handbag looking for the keys not paying attention who was in the elevator so as soon as I got in I had somebody grab me from the back hold mm-hmm. me by the neck and and say to me you thought you could escape me and so he dragged me into his vehicle drove me to an isolated area but as he drove there he was yelling and screaming and saying how could I put this restraining order against him because I should know better. I should know that I'm the only, he's the only one who'd ever love me. He was so abusive. So all of a sudden as we're driving, he saw a telephone booth and he asked me to get out of the car and call my my parents because at the time neither one of us had a cell phone. I said, no, I wasn't going to call my parents. He got very angry and he said, I'm going to say this again one more time. In the back of my car, Harriet, I have a rope. I have a knife and have gasoline. I'm going to wrap your body up with a rope, cut your body in pieces and set you on fire. Now are you going to call your parents? I still said no. And he gets so angry and he got a big knife. He was hiding he in the glove compartment of the vehicle. He pulled it out and he stabbed me he stabbed me two times on my left knee and there was blood everywhere. It was gushing. But even today, I have absolutely no idea how I got from that point to the hospital. So when I woke up, the doctor was talking to my father and he told both of us that chances of me walking again were very small, or if I do walk one day, it's gonna take a long time to recover because the stab wound was so intense. He had chipped my bone. And also I'd lost a lot of blood. So I was really on the verge of dying. And I started feeling sorry for myself saying, why me? You know, you go through those moments asking, why me? Then you think, why not you? Who else should this happen to? Who do you recommend? So after I went through those phases, I had to go for physio. So one day there I was in the waiting room and there comes a little girl on a wheelchair full of so much passion for life at that point I didn't really want to talk to her and life is about connecting the dots so when I met her mm-hmm. she talked to me I told her my story and and the details are in the book but she basically told me that I should use my story to impact the world so that was my turning point she was my guiding angel so there on, I didn't really make the connection at that point. It was later on in life that I connected the dots and I realized I can use my trauma to help other people who are also going through not necessarily the same thing, but some of the challenges that they're facing. And that's how I got to write the book The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life with Dr. Laika.
0: I think that is so amazing and thank you for sharing your story with us, and I know that you also speak to crowds of people, and one of the things that stood out for me is that a part of your turning point was a young child, which just speaks to, you know, anyone can be placed into our life for us to learn from and to grow from, and from her, you receive some motivation to keep going and to inspire other people with your story. And so how did you end up meeting your co-author, Dr. Alan Laika, in order to then write this book?
1: Oh, uh, Dr. Leica, he's a philanthropist and he still is, even, even after he retired from being a medical doctor. So what he did every year, he would sponsor an event called the YWCA Women of Distinction. And this event basically supports women and celebrates women who have made an impact in the community whether it's through their business through the giving back to the community whatever whatever it is that they've done there's eight different categories and the categories that i was nominated under was the turning point i was actually nominated and i won the award i was the recipient for that award which was a huge deal because i was a i was among so many other women i think there was about 15 women so after the um, event, I had the opportunity to meet him and we met for, for lunch and I got him lunch. I was teasing him about that. <laughs> and we <laughs> talked about our stories. And he, his story is also just as, as tragic, but again, with a, a good ending. So we talked about our stories and he said, you know, one day we should write a book about the traumas we've been through. And that was four years ago. The story began four years ago, the conversations, we kept going, kept going. And then finally, we had the book and it's going to be out on Amazon on June
0: 5th. Oh, awesome.
1: We're excited about it.
0: So am I. And so I know I mentioned the title of the book and within the book, you break down 13 golden pearls. Where did you come up with the name, the metaphor, golden pearls?
1: Oh, golden pearls. Actually, ever since I was a little girl, I've always loved pearls. <laughs> I think maybe it's a, something little <laughs> girls love. We love jewelry, mm-hmm. whether it's pearls or diamonds. So golden pearls, actually, there's a sea oyster in Indonesia and also in Philippines. So this sea oyster is actually very rare. And what basically happens is a little foreign substance, a little sign goes into the shell of the sea oyster and it begins to irritate the oyster. It irritates it so much that it turns into a golden pearl. So that—that that is actually similar to our lives. So that irritation turns into a golden pearl. And not all the sea oysters can turn into a golden pearl. It's only one in 10,000 sea oysters have the golden pearl. So we thought it would be very symbolic to the lives that we've gone through. Because pain and suffering comes out beautiful. We can either turn it into sand or we can turn it into diamonds. And in our case, we turn our suffering into golden pearls so we can share with the world. So initially, we actually had 20 golden pearls, but we said, hmm, this is too much for the world to digest. So we've divided them into 13, and then the other seven will come
0: thereafter, after this one is out and and running, so to speak. Right. And they are definitely powerful, as I mentioned in the opening, just describing this book as a gem. And so I know that one of the pearls that you mentioned is love. I want to say that that was one of the first ones I read. And in this section, you discuss the struggles that some people face with being able to love. And in teaching them how to love, you suggest that the first step is forgiveness and you, you made a statement which just really sat with me, which is that holding on to hate is like trying to harm someone by drinking the poison yourself. So how were you able to forgive someone that tried to, in essence, take your life?
1: Oh, forgiveness is not an easy thing because forgiveness mm-hmm. is really, it's not a temporary act, it's a permanent attitude. And we're often told that in order to forgive, you have to do it very quickly so that you can start healing. And for me, I'm often reminded by Nelson Mandela, and I'm going to try and paraphrase his uh, his quote. He said, I knew walking out that door towards the gates that would lead me to freedom. If I did not leave my past behind me, I'll still be in prison. So I use mm-hmm. that to really inspire me and to learn how to forgive. Now, with forgiveness, what I had to do, I had to really use steps to to learn how to forgive because forgiveness is definitely not a natural emotion right actually hate is our natural emotion and we use hate to really protect what we love for example you can say i hate cancer because it hurts me it hurts my family and i hate seeing my father suffer so hate actually if you look at the definition because some of your your listeners might say no we don't want ha- we don't want to hate but when you look at the definition the definition of hate is an intense or passionate dislike for someone. So for me, what I had to do, I had to use the three steps and I'm gonna share them with you if you, if you don't
0: mind. Oh yes, of course.
1: Okay, excellent. So s- step number one is you have to write down why you hate why you hate and why. So I put down I hate my attacker because he put me in the hospital. I hate my attacker because he put a scar on my leg. So that's step one, writing down why you hate, you hate and why. And then step two, take the second sentence and turn it into love. I hate my attacker because I love being healthy. I hate my attacker because I love my perfect imperfections. And then the last tip, now you get rid of the hate and you just focus on the love part. I love being healthy. I love my imperfections. So now you're focusing on the love. You get rid of the hate. So it becomes a love journal. It's a very comprehensive uh, process. It, I, it's not something that's happened overnight. You just have to take it all in steps. And I found using this method was really, really the best way to do it. Because forgiving somebody who, let's say if you're driving and somebody cuts you off, that's easy to forget. Or somebody forgot to tape the latest podcast. You can forgive them quite easily. But if somebody's hurt your child or you've been traumatized, it's not easy. So by using those three steps, I found for me, it was so effective and it's not easy, but it can be done.
0: That's right. And I appreciate the examples that you use that speak to things that people deal with on a much larger scale, because I have definitely spoken to the act of forgiveness on the podcast. But sometimes that can be very hard because there's so much anger behind it. And what the feedback that I'll get sometimes, and it can be in one-on-one conversations, is how can I forgive something that was such a tragedy in my life? But being able to hopefully use those steps and seeing how it is also freeing for you to do so that you can be greater in your life, so that you can walk in your purpose. So thank you for breaking that down and providing those three steps. And you mentioned Nelson Mandela. I also wrote down something that I wanted to share. There was a quote, and I love quotes. So there was a quote that you have in the book from him, which is, there is no passion to be found playing small in settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. And that really stood out to me because I think about your story and I think about the fact that you could have stayed hidden. You could have let this experience allow fear to lead your life. Instead, you speak in front of crowds, you inspire women, and you are sharing your story with anyone who is willing to read it or listen. So what I would like to speak about now is just this idea around empowerment and what empowered you to get to where you are now?
1: I think the biggest thing when it comes to empowerment is knowing your self-worth. Because if you Mm -hmm. don't know your self-worth, you're not going to feel at all empowered. And I work with young girls and also work with women who have been abused. So what I often do, because most people don't know their self-worth, I'll bring I'll normally use like a $20 bill, something that's, uh, that's easy to, to work with. So I'll come in right. class or in a presentation and I'll say, look at this $20 bill. Who wants it? Everybody puts their hand up. So I take the $20 bill and I crumple it up. And I sometimes I even uh, step on it and if I have a little bit of water, I'll dump a little bit of water and I say, okay, now who wants this $20 bill? Everybody else, everybody will put their hands up and I'll ask them why they'll say, well, it did not lose its worth. It's still $20. And I tell them, you've definitely proved my point because in life, you're going to go through a lot of things. I was stabbed. I was left for dead. I still did not lose my self-worth. I'm still the person that I am, even though I've been crumbled up, stepped on, water dumped on me. I'm still Harriet and I did not lose my worth. So when you see your worth, your self-worth, you feel empowered. And if you love yourself, if you feel good enough and you love yourself completely, you should be enough for everybody else.
0: I completely agree. Yes. And so in writing this story with Dr. Leica, this book, what are you hoping that people will get from reading this?
1: I'm hoping everybody will have this message, which is what me and Dr. Leica often like to share with a with the world is it's not what happens to you it's what you do with what happens Mm because it's so easy to sit there and feel sorry for yourself but that does you no good so the best thing is don't look at your past don't visualize your future start from where you are right now whatever happened start from where you are and find your purpose and interesting enough actually purpose is one of the golden pearls that we have in the book yes And and it's also one of my favorites. So in the book, Mm -hmm. we really use what's Mm -hmm. called the Ikigai, which is a Japanese for reason for being. Now, with the way the world is going, the economy is not doing as well as it should be. Most of us are really beginning to question what our purpose is. So what the Ikigai does, it will ask four questions of yourself. And this it's also a very comprehensive exercise. So number one, you just ask, what is it that you love to do? Maybe you love working with people. Maybe you love working with numbers. So that's number one. What do you love to do? What are you good at? You might be good at listening to people, just like you are. Maybe you want to be a social worker. You want to be a psychologist. Maybe that's where you're really good at. And then number three, what does the world need? What can you do with your talents? So that's number three. And then number four, what can you do and get paid for? Because it's important to get paid for what you do, especially if you love it. So those are the four questions that your nation, your love nation can ask of themselves during this time. What is your purpose? What is it that you love to do? What are you good at? What does the world need? And what is it you can do and get paid for? So once you find your Ikigai, you will feel fantastic. And I would recommend for your audience... Maybe start off with what I call a part-time ikigai. Start off with what you love to do and what you're good at. So those are usually quite uh, comprehensive and sometimes it's easier to do because it's who you are. You know what you love. And if you don't know, ask other people who know you.
0: Absolutely. And I did read that in the book and purpose is definitely one of my favorite pearls as well. And the reason I didn't mention is I was like, I don't know how many that I can drop on the podcast because (laughs) I was privileged to be able to read the book before it comes out. So when you share that, I was like, yes, that was definitely one of my favorite parts of the book because it's like we spit these terms out and we hear it, but there can be so many. It's like mysterious. What does that mean? How do I actually find it? So I love that in the book, you break that down and give really concrete examples. And I also love another part of the book is how you weave other stories in there, kind of like parables and, and just other ways to look at the chapters and an introduction to it before you get into the conversation that you have with Dr. Leica. So definitely. Oh yeah, we thought you
1: had a lot of. Yeah, sorry. yeah, I was going to say a lot of people like stories. We all love stories.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so you are a source of inspiration, I would say, for many. You're definitely a source of inspiration for me. Where do you receive your inspiration from? If you could name just one, just one person, if possible.
1: Oh, what person I have? I have to say it's Oprah. <laughs> I love Oprah. And and also, uh, if I could say the other one, I would definitely say Michelle Obama. Those two are my yeah. inspiration. I just read their stories and it's so attainable and they make you know you you can be whoever you want to be. I think you just have to set your mind to. And I read a lot of uh, motivational speakers. I spend, I often tell people, if you love something, let's say you're passionate about something, if you spend one hour a day, just one hour a day of what you love, you can become an expert because that's one hour that's 365 hours of something you absolutely Mm -hmm. love and you can become an expert so if you think about it in five years you can be an expert without even having to go to school because you only spend the one hour a day reading about it so i used to love about how to empower myself how to be the best version of myself so to speak and i would read all sorts of different quotes from different people inspirational people and so on. And I became really good. And I think still there's always room to learn. So I'm always learning every day. So that's my commitment to myself to really do that personal development daily.
0: Yes. And I love that you spoke to one hour a day because sometimes the challenge will be, well, I don't have the time. And so you're thinking about trying to rush all of this information, trying to fit it all into your schedule and giving yourself a time frame as to when it has to happen. But you don't have to limit yourself in that way. When I think, when I look back, even with my own life, five years from now, if I had done that, how much I would know right now. So that's such a gem that is worth adhering to and following and giving a chance because self-development is very important. I I preach and I practice self-love, self-worth, self-empowerment, so much because i think that we are the best examples of how the world is going to treat us so it starts within and with that said are there any final words of encouragement that you would like to leave with people before you end us off with letting us know how they can get the book and connect with you just any final words of encouragement
1: I would probably say uh, one of, uh, one of my other golden pearls is the attitude. And right now, everybody is so worried. We have a lot of worries in our mind. And just to give you a quick uh, quick study that was done, forty percent of what we worry about are things that will never happen. For example, you say, if I go to California, I'm gonna get caught by the the wildfires that are going on. That's forty percent. Or you, or, and then thirty percent, we worry about things that we cannot change based on our past. So that you can't change. Mm. Then there's the 12% that we worry about, about a medical diagnosis. You wake up in the morning and you have a pain on the side. You go on Google and you say, oh, those are the symptoms of cancer. I'm going to die. So that's 12%. And then there's those petty worries that are 10%. Like I oh, don't know what I'm going to cook tonight. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen tonight? So that's total 92% of what we worry about will not happen. So that leaves about 8%, which is legit. So I would encourage your listeners is to control your controllables. Don't worry about things you cannot control because it's doing you no good. Maybe spend an hour a day dedicating it to just worrying. What I love, your your audience is actually so educated and I know they love themselves completely. I want them, I'm going to challenge them to do something that's absolutely empowering to themselves like say something empowering every day about themselves like I love basically like a gratitude every day like I'm so thankful for my health I'm thankful for the skin in my when my body covers my organs I'm grateful for the hot water little things like that just small small things because that's all it starts off a little bit and then you'll grow up to be a big thing
0: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: Well, that's really what I would say to your audience. And there's so much I could say, but I better trim it down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It, It was fine. That was perfect. Thank you. And so I know that you mentioned this at the beginning of the recording, but if you could state one more time when the book is coming out and where people can find the book and then how people can connect with you.
1: Oh, you bet. So the book will be coming out on the, on June 5th and it will be on Amazon. But right now they can also get the, they can do a pre-order, which we actually encourage your audience to, to do that. You can link onto www.fantasticlifebook.com. So that's fantasticlife.com. And some of the proceeds in the book, we actually do give 20% of our proceeds towards women charities. Like domestic violence in right. in your community, so some of the money will go towards that. So if they do buy through that, then we can help the community in the local area. And one more thing is, uh, if your audience would text this number one eight one nine seven one seven two five one five, and they can text the word golden pearls, they'll receive. An affirmation every day on one of the golden pearls.
0: Oh, that's really nice. And
1: if they want to get a hold of me, you know, it's a lot. And if they want to get a hold of me directly, it, my website is empoweredme.ca. And I'm all about empowering people.
0: Yes. And I, I think that that is so nice. I've never heard of anyone, um, offering positive messages through text, like from my guests that have been on the show. So thank you for sharing that because I know that I get a lot of emails and texts, people just reaching out because they are really going through. And these are people that I have never met before, but they were able to resonate with the messages that I'm sharing, which is what this podcast is all about. So for those that are listening that Already reach out to me or maybe you might be a little bit shy about reaching out to me. Maybe you know me personally and you don't want to reach out to me because of shame or embarrassment, which I hope you're able to be free of. Please utilize the number just to receive those positive affirmations in the form of a text. I think that those are so powerful and thank you, Harriet, for that. And also, Thank you so much for being a guest, coming on the show, sharing your story, and sharing pieces of the book with us.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I think at the beginning I said Aziz. I meant to say Aziza's Love Nation. I kind of butchered your <laughs> name, but maybe I was just a bit nervous. <laughs> so that is okay. It's, it's Aziza, right? Yeah, yes, Love it's Aziza's Love Okay, you didn't even correct me you should have said hey harriet that's not my name (laughs) anyway i had a great time thank you so much for having me and thank you to your to your audience i'm happy to come back again and share more messages when my next book comes out
0: awesome well take care harriet as always don't forget to spread the love if you enjoyed the message please share like Comment and subscribe with Love Queens, Aziza.